This is Gresh and Fourier. Brown, straightaway three. Andy Gresh. We've taken a couple haymakers. You know what? We're probably going to take a couple more. This is baseball. It's not supposed to be easy, but I want to be clear. We're going to do this. It's going to be awesome. Christian Fourier. Bill Belichick's doing an audit of everything. Where did I go wrong? Where did I put people in positions where they weren't able to succeed. What am I responsible for? I think definitely he can look at the offensive side of the ball and make those declarations where guys weren't able or ready to live up to what he hoped. So there'll be reassignments. There will not be firings to my estimation. Hmm. I mean, again, I'm. this is what I'm logically putting together from the conversations I've had. Gresh and Fourier right now. They haven't contacted Kingsbury directly to my knowledge, but I do know that they've done some homework on him and. Um, I, you know, I, I think Bill does have a level of fascination with what Kingsbury's done. On WEEI. Oh, how about that little nugget from uh, Albert Nut Breer right there, Fourier, on your boy Cliff Kingsbury. They're at least sniffing around. They're doing some I homework. heard that. I heard that. And you don't um, buy it, do I don't you? buy it at all. Cliff Kingsbury has uh, just signed a new deal, an extension, what, 10 months ago, and they still owe him $30 million over four years. $30 million over four years, and, and they can sniff around all they want. Hell, they can call him up. He's unemployed. They don't. There's no restrictions on who he can talk to and who he can't talk to. Why would you just, just call him up personally? All right, so how about this, though? But why don't you game the system like you have with the other coaches? Can you just make Cliff Kingsbury the quarterback coach? You could do that also. And then he who can is call be, plays. Who is going then? to be the offensive coordinator if he is just the – Hey, you're just responsible for four people. No, no. He is still the play caller. I'll oh, Matt Patricia. The, oh, yeah, remember, yeah. Matt Patricia oh, was will, the O-line coach and yep. oh, the de facto play caller. Yep. So if you don't want to give him the title, but it's winky winky, we're gonna have Kara or we're gonna have Arizona pay you a ton of money. We'll bring you in and yeah, pay you four hundred, five hundred grand to be the quarterback coach. But oh, by the way, Cliff, you'll also be the guy calling plays. Yeah. I think Bill does have a level of fascination with what Kingsbury's done. I heard that. A level of fascination, right? He's very, uh, he's like the new kid, right? Yeah, our, all our ideas are cool and hip. You guys are that old school jive. Like, nobody does that anymore. We're, we're modern. So, yes, absolutely yes. I would also say not that his offense needs, like, a running element, like a quarterback that can run, but it does, like, get you out of a lot of jams. So they get Kyler Murray. They put their offense in. Fine. He's happy. I just don't think Cliff Kingsbury, as a human being, wants anything to do with this type of life that would exist down in Foxborough. I don't so, think it wants anything to do with it. So, folks, and let's reset this for those who didn't hear it. Because, again, 107, Gresham Fourier here with you on WEEI, Boston and New England Sports Original. Uh, according to Tommy Curran, the meeting has happened. Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft agree. Changes need to be made. However, your point on Cliff Kingsbury, and I, you know, we got to get this out on Twitch and Twitter to the world. So I'll just ask you this. Why Cliff Kingsbury wouldn't work here is something that you're rolling out to the world that no one has talked about. So cycle back as to why Kingsbury wouldn't fit in this environment. Well, I, first of all, the environment is, uh, I mean, not that any other environment isn't competitive, but the, just, the hours are substantial. You will have a guy that is hovering over you. 
You will have a, you're going to bring in a brand new offense. You're going to scrap everything they did. You're going to start from the beginning and install a brand new offense. Nobody knows how it works. Nobody knows what their responsibilities are unless he brings his own coaching staff. So what Cliff would have to do, he would have to teach the coaches who are already here or he would have to make sure he has some support and he brings in his own coaches, his own support. Because everyone who's left over, you just got to be worried about guys, you know, talking behind your back, you know, questioning what you're doing, you know, undermining your what you're trying to do and the message that you're trying to, you know, give to the team. You know Cliff. Is he an 80-hour-a-week guy? Well, I think he's a – I think he did put in a lot of hours this year, okay, because I think he was stressed. I think uh, he knew – I, I think he knew – I knew they were, they were coming for him, right? So I think he probably just went all in. But I do not think that he wants anything to do with this type of lifestyle. There we go. And I just, I just don't feel like it. I just don't feel like it fits him. Look, look at what he's done. He's been there four years. He's only had one year where he had a winning series. Went to the playoffs once, lost that playoff, and again they owe him thirty million dollars. He doesn't have to do a damn thing. I don't think he does anything. I think he does TV. If anything, he may do TV, but I think mostly, I think he just sits around and waits. Okay, so let me ask you this: If Cliff Kingsbury is a great offensive mind, well, I didn't say he was a great offensive mind. All I right. don't know if he, I don't know well, if he is a great offensive mind. There, okay, so there are a lot of people who do think he is, but on that premise, a lot of people think that he's an offensive guy, which he is, and maybe not the most brilliant offensive mind. But isn't that where a guy like Cliff Kingsbury could walk in the door and they say, "Learn our way of doing things," meaning, Cliff, learn what we do first. You're the one, Christian Fourier, who said even in the offense that you played in with Tom Brady. All the way to now, the core principles of the Patriots' offense are still there, regardless of whether it's McDaniel's or whomever. Let's the verbiage, what 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 they're called, the the language is still basically the same. Well, this guy was a quarterback, and the last thing I knew about quarterbacks is they had to be adaptable to being able to run a new system and try to figure it out. Unless you're Cam Newton, and then you quit and you stop just throwing the ball and try to run it with him because he can't process information. Another story for another time. But if Cliff Kingsbury was a quarterback. Why, in theory, Bill Belichick couldn't say, you come in here, you're going to coach the quarterbacks because I know you can do that. And, oh, by the way, learn our system and then let Kingsbury sprinkle in a little bit of what he wants to of his stuff, and Belichick can make him a more sound football coach. Cliff, here's Mm. why you run it. Here's the reason. You know what I mean? Like, if Kingsbury, because to me, Kingsbury's offensive system does have some holes, and I think it kind of begins and ends in pass protection in a lot of ways. You mentioned having a running back that can run around, kind of, or having a quarterback that can run around, save the bacon a little bit. That's because maybe a little bit of Cliff Kingsbury offense needs to be tightening up, tightened up. Who better to help tighten up his own offense or what he would want to bring here? Than a guy like Bill Belichick and help him advance as a coach. Because right now, hasn't Cliff Kingsbury hit the ceiling? I do think he's hit the ceiling and just fine. So you're going to, excuse me, you're going to, you're going to teach me how to run an organization. So that was kind of what happened with Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell was a tight ends coach, uh, assistant head coach down in Miami. Uh, the whole crew gets fired. He takes over as the interim head coach. Okay. And then he goes to New Orleans where, um, Sean Payton is. Sean Payton says, Hey, come over here. Let me take a break and let me teach you how to manage a team. Right, you're a manager. You're managing personalities and rosters, and you know salary and, and all this other stuff. Learn from me. You'll be the tight ends coach and the assistant head coach. Well, he learns, and then he goes 
for a couple years, and he goes and he interviews with uh, Detroit, and he tells them point blank, I want this job. It's all over Zoom. And they give him the job, and he's obviously learned from that experience. But but Cliff has already been a head coach in college. He's already been one of the pros. So does he need some more, I don't know, tutelage and information? Maybe. Yeah, because the guy hasn't been a great head coach but, in but either place. Here's the thing. So if, if I say, uh, when we're talking about young, innovative, offensive minds. Okay. Current ones. I, I'm throwing this at you and you know, just off the top. So if you don't get it, it's no big deal. Current. Um, offensive, uh, you know, trendy, you know, getting the most recognitions for how they create and their philosophy on offense. New, like current guys, you would name who? Joe Brady was one in Carolina before that all fell apart, but that was a guy who came in to uh, much ballyhoo and pyro, let's say. I probably and, teamed and that up wrong. ultimately flamed out. But you're, you're basically... An innovative, an innovative like right now, who is running the best offense, who gets a lot of credit for being innovative, clever, and ahead of the game? You mean in the pros? In the pros right now. as an offensive coordinator? Coordinator or as a head coach, right? Because a lot of these head coaches are were offensive coordinators at first, and then they became head coaches, and they just taught all the guys underneath them what to do. Nathaniel Hackett. No. <laughs> I'll give it to you. Kyle Shanahan. Here's the modern day. When you say Kyle Shanahan, yeah. he's got his own offense. Like you know, uh, Michael Irwin was talking about the Shanahan offense. That goes back to Bill Walsh in the West Coast offense and the long list of coordinators that learned how to run an offense and call plays under Bill Walsh, who then led to John, uh, uh, Mike Holmgren and then, and then Gil Haskell and then John Gruden. The list goes on and, and then on Andy again. And Andy Reid and all and those guys. I would yeah. say Joe Gibbs is another guy. Uh, if you want to go farther back, you talk about innovate. Andy Reid is another guy. So when I say Cliff Kingsbury, I don't think, whoa, this guy's ahead of his game. There are things that he is doing that nobody does before, and everybody's learning and everybody's getting better. I would say Brian Dable has a better reputation in calling offense and being successful than Cliff Kingsbury. And then the guys that came after him that are now in Buffalo will have a better chance to be more successful by running Brian Dable's offense, okay, that he learned from, uh, what, Charlie Weiss, and that he has altered and changed into his own. And that's all the Ron Earhart stuff at, at its core. Yes, there's, there's just, and that is my point with Cliff. Like, oh, he's an offensive, you know, genius. Is he? I don't know. Like, I feel like he's, I mean, he got his stuff from um, Mike Leach. And when he was at Texas well, Tech. it's the old K-gun. It, it yes, and core. he just altered it. He's I mean, a he passing game it. coordinator. He's spread him out, uh, let it fly, lots of motions. I mean, lots of motions and pre-snap stuff. But I mean, he knows how to coach offense. I'm not saying that he's not good at it. But I think we're making him out to be the savant that he. I don't think he is. However, on my point, if I may steal a line from someone you used to work with, you just made my case. <laughs> because if Cliff Kingsbury is just that then clearly he needs to evolve offensively. And what better way to do that than with a guy who is going to force him. To do what? To do what is going to force him to do what? To do things a certain way. Okay, but there's, there's where Meaning, the problem is going to be. Yeah, but look. Uh, that's a problem. Hold Rush. on. But if you if you think Cliff Kingsbury on the 50-yard line, right, is like, we're running the ball, we're running the ball. Oh, let me go five wide empty on first and ten. Do you think Bill's just going to be like, Oh, yeah, Cliff, you're all over it. Or is he going to be like, what the F are you doing? I don't need you to go there this early in that spot. That, to me, is some of the flaws with Cliff Kingsbury is that there's no one who has said to him, dummy, do it differently. Here's why to do it differently. Because 
That is one thing I've learned in life. Some people want to be explained the why. Supposedly Mac Jones. It was, why is this Rube here running my offense? But if you're someone like Kingsbury, how do you break the stigma of what you just said? Because you know what? You're kind of right. Yeah, but, but to but, go to a place where someone is going to force you to think differently about the game if you're going to stay at the pro level. Because if he's just going to go to college, then you're right. Wait it out. Go throw it 60 times a game. Get better athletes. Go win nine games in the Big 12. Everybody will love you. But if he wants to stay in the pros, how does he break the stigma of what you just said? Go to a guy with a different set of principles who will tell him, you work for me, and this is the way we're going to do it, and it's going to make you better. It's not going to work. Not a chance in hell. All right, then we'll get we'll unpack that right, next. I'll tell you why. Gresh and Fourier on WEEI. All right, so there's been a lot of talk now that the word is out about what are the Patriots going to do offensively as Foyer is dancing like I don't know what. You look like you're having a look like you're having like a slow motion it's such a, seizure. It's such or an old guy dance. I'm not going to really move. It the really bottom is. Half. I'm just going to move my and make facial expressions like yeah. Oh yeah, there you oh, go. Uh huh. Yeah, I like this part. Wait for the baseline. Do you think Greg Hill dances that way? <laughs> No, I don't think he, he, I think he, do you think Lou dances that way? I don't think anybody dances. I, I do think there are some that probably just wait for whoever's falling off their bar stool late at night. And then uh, that's how they make their life decisions. Yeah. When it comes to dancing, we have an awful lot of honkies in here. Man. Listen, if I tell awful you what, a lot of honkies yep, in here. You and Jermaine got the flavor here. If you, if, at if guys were smarter, like the, you would learn how to dance. You, you listen. I would say this: If I wasn't playing sports, I would be a yell leader. I would be. I would be. I would be hanging out with all the cheerleaders. One I, of the I biggest. Would, I would. I would be a dancer in some capacity. One of the biggest misconceptions. See, now you're hooking me in on this. One of the biggest misconceptions is that people who can dance can also screw, <laughs> and that is. Well, not I mean, not necessarily. That's the not, case. It's, listen, I don't care about that. It's like, where are the odds best for me? If I'm like single and I'm young, Terp, you guys listen, Bill, you guys listen up. If I'm younger, if I'm younger, if I'm young and I'm single, yes, I'm going to go where all the single women are. Younger. That's <laughs> younger. A young young person if looking I'm for ladies. Swungle. <laughs> single, young, uncle, able. At my, at my age, as older I get, the more knowledge I get. And I would just like to help the younger people out. Become a ballet dancer. Listen, the odds will be in your favor. You're now to the point to where you're going to dance and throw your back out. Oh, that's why I don't move. Right. I don't move. There's no, listen, there's no one doing, I'm not spinning on my head. I'm not doing, you know, uh, I'm not doing the worm. Hold on. Could you ever have do, could you ever do that to begin with? I was in a breakdancing crew. Yes. You could spin on your head. Yes. Not very good. That wasn't my go-to thing. My thing was flips. Not as good as Alfonso Rivera. No, no. That was his thing. I was a big flip guy. I was a big, I was a gymnast when I was younger, so I, I would run in and flip over everybody. Did you do that one move where you would grab one ankle and then hop over it with your other leg? <laughs> yeah, I could do that also. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. I did all the I did the hits. I played the hits, Billy. I did the ones that everybody knew and they understood and they appreciated, right? Because they were easy. They're easy. The crowd favorites. Hey, buddy, back up. And that was it, and I'd move out of the circle. <laughs> well, uh, why can't Cliff Kingsbury adapt to uh, having Bill Belichick over him? Why can't Cliff Kingsbury say, hey, you know what? I've had some success, but clearly i got to get better. Maybe coaching under Bill will make me better. 
I learn some different things offensively. I adapt versus them adapting to me. You have been no go on this. I'm a no go because I've I've had a similar situation. I was on a team with a, in a similar situation where the Joe Gibbs, the basically the offensive coordinator, head coach, could not move the ball the previous year. So they brought in Al Saunders, who was historically like you know considered like one of the best offensive coordinators, innovative, consistent, really bright ahead of his game, and he could turn around your offense. Well, sure as hell, it's six weeks into it. It's like he he made Al Saunders scrap it because he was forcing him to do things that Al didn't want to do. If you're, you say, okay, this could be a good chance for, for Cliff to learn, uh, to learn from the great guy, learn, learn from Bill. Well, if Bill is going to dictate whether or not you go for it on fourth and one, that's his decision, but he shouldn't dictate what play you run. My thing is that if Cliff, if you're hiring him, and you have a fourth and one play, and you have the balls to go for it. Well, then let me call the play that I think is going to work. But is it necessarily don't regulate the, me? But I mean, don't hire me. But isn't that? But isn't it more about philosophy than it is so much individual play calls? Because I'm with you. Then on fourth and two, we even saw Matt Patricia and the Patriots try to throw the ball a little bit. It's more of the like when Kingsbury was running things there. Let me go get a ton of wide receivers. Let me just throw the ball as much as I want. And let my quarterback run around. It felt like. There wasn't enough structure in terms of the way the NFL game is played. Like, to me, Cliff Kingsbury is a guy who wants to live in the four and five wide receiver world when there are clearly flaws when you go up against great pass rushers. But if you live more in the three and four wide receiver world and you tighten up your protections a little bit and you put a little more emphasis on a running game, wouldn't that make him a better offensive coordinator from a philosophical standpoint? Sure. And then he can start to get it. Sure, maybe he's too, you know, aggressive. Maybe he's too, you know, wild and loose with what he does. He doesn't have the ability because this is all he knows. But if you provide him with, you know, two stud tight ends and then a really strong back, well, you're going to have to adjust your philosophy and your, you know, what you're calling based on the personnel you have. Mm-hmm. Like he was, he was there long enough, and they allowed him enough rope. To, you know, build the team that he wanted. This is the offense I want. These are the type of guys I want. Okay, we're going to get you those guys. We're going to get you that core. Here, here's everybody. He had four was, number one type wide receivers. Was arguably. he ever, did he ever have like a, like how often did he have a top five offense? You know, how often That's was a good he question. in? Let me look at well, How often was his offense the highest scoring offense in the league, but it was his defense that couldn't hold anybody down, right? He's sorry. He couldn't score 45 points. So uh, let's start with that. Start with that third. Start with that goal, and then from there, go to his redstone production. How innovative and clever, and what what does he do to draw plays to score points when it matters? That's what I would say. Not that he can't do it, but like if you're hiring me to be the offensive coordinator, you're hiring me because I have a certain set of skills that you don't have. So either you're hiring me to do my job, or you want to meddle, or you want to restrict me, or you want to hold me back. Well, do you really think it would be thought of as? holding me back in a way i do think listen it's my offense uh yeah somebody else created it but i enhanced it and now i've mastered it but isn't that now you're trying thing? to tell me well, what to do you did that last year it didn't work but has he really mastered it well, can he look at the head coach here or anywhere and say oh yeah what i was doing was all right and the quarterback coming out and mf and me and saying that schematically we're effed yeah that was on him not me I just think that if you're 
if you put Cliff Kingsbury on a on a whiteboard right now and had him just do a whole like rundown of his philosophy and plays and and the why, every single route would have a why. It would be really easy for him to teach it. It would be really easy for his players to understand it. Like there would be a symbiotic relationship where ah now oh now I get it ah you see yes I do. Whereas opposed to Matt Patricia, there was probably like a what? Any questions? No. Nobody has any questions. They all have questions, but nobody, everybody agrees that the guy asking the questions doesn't know the answer. So, like, if I had a coach who was who I just thought had no clue, I would never ask him any questions because all he's going to do is give me the wrong answer anyways. So I would always go over his head, go to the offense coordinator, go to the quarterback's coach, go to the quarterback. That's the guy you really want to talk to. Where are you throwing the ball? Where do you want me to be? Well, the play sheet says I got to go 10 yards no matter what, and I got to take this high corner. Well, the quarterback will say, well, hold on. I really only want you to go to eight. I want you to give me a little little bit at the top, take your time, and then, you know, and then snap it out and then uh, and then bench it off. Don't go high. I want you to kind of bench it, right, which is like a mix between a high corner and a breakout, right? Just right in the middle and kind of roll out of it. I just feel like I just don't feel like the relationship would work at all. I, I don't think it would work at all. And I don't think uh, Cliff Kingsbury, after running his own running his own team for like what twelve years, seven years, something like that, college and pro, I don't think he wants to be micromanaged by Bill. Well, I think this is a much more germane discussion to what can happen in Foxborough versus let's go get uh, Lamar Jackson. That's not happening. Bill Belichick is not going to give up a massive contract and picks for a player that is about to get franchised. In my opinion, this feels like it actually might be possible depending on where everyone's mindset is at. And the 603 adds another layer to our discussion. When we asked Michael Irvin last hour, could Bill Belichick bridge the gap between Bill O'Brien and DeAndre Hopkins? Probably not. No. But if that's a guy, and the word is, by the way, out of Arizona, that DeAndre Hopkins is interested in Jacksonville, and the Chargers. The Chargers have two $20 million wide receivers. Jacksonville sneaky made the trade for Calvin Ridley, who was suspended. So they're going to add another wide receiver in the offseason, if not maybe draft one. But uh, the 603 says, uh, guys, uh, what about bringing in Cliff if you're thinking of getting Hopkins? And they said not that all that would happen. But is <laughs> that is that maybe a marriage where it can work. Now, again, I'd like to think that DeAndre Hopkins, when he walks in the door, understands it's not going to be the Arizona Cardinals and necessarily all his show. However, he's going to be the best wide receiver. He'll stand out in a way. And even when Randy Moss was here, Bill Belichick didn't stand on the sidelines with his arms crossed saying, don't throw it to that guy a bunch of times. But might that be something that if the Patriots are seriously thinking about, okay, Maybe we could go get this dude. Maybe this guy works. Maybe that's the veteran. The Bill Belichick says, you know what? Hopkins will come here, and he'll fall in line for two years with what I need to do. And you marry Kingsbury with that, along with a little bit of a, I don't know, tweak of philosophy? Bingo, bango. That could work, couldn't it? Yeah, so so free agency. Um, I'm trying to figure out when free agency. Bring back. S- think about it. Starts. Trade for Hopkins. Bring back Myers. Okay. Here's Kingsbury. Sure, it sounds great. Sounds great in theory. Do you think Cliff Kingsbury could get something out of Jonu Smith? Make I, those listen, tight ends better? Again, 
anybody, any guy, any offensive-minded guy is going to come in in here and get more out of everybody. And to answer your question, yes, I do. I do think he is. So anything you do with your coaching staff, as far as uh, who's going to be running it, is going to have to be done before March 16th. And remember, there is that legal tampering period before March 16th because that's when free agency officially starts. Got it. So, and I don't think you can do what you did last year, Gresh. You can't sit there and be like, well, nobody knows who's running the offense, like, ever. Like, even during camp, preseason games, nobody is identified as the offensive coordinator. You can't do that. You can't play that game anymore. You used it up. You have to call somebody, hire somebody who is the offensive coordinator. Because if you are losing guys and then bringing guys in, like, there's a reason why all these guys that sign, I mean, listen, you give them a bunch of money, they'll probably become anyways. But if they showed up and said, well, who's running the offense? Who's in charge? That's a big part of it. Who's, who's, who right. is in charge? I, you got to have to say, well, you know what? We screwed up last year. We brought this guy in. He's going to meet you at the airport. He's going to pick you up. Mm-hmm. You guys are going to have lunch. Talk about, oh, you know, we'll come see you. We're going to fly on our jet. We're going to come see you and explain to you, like, what we plan on doing with the guys that we have left and what we think we can get out of you. Like, I want to make you a star. You caught 50 balls last year, you're going to catch 80. Like, hey, listen, we're gonna, all this stuff is going to be fixed. So I, I just don't feel like, would would uh, Cliff work? Like, sure, in theory, Cliff's intelligence and ability to run offense is, like, of course it would work. The part that I don't think would work would be the actual relationship and idea that I have to work under Bill. Bill's my boss. Like, I mean, I just don't think it would work. I don't think that he wants anything to do with that. I don't think Bill is a get home by dinner coach. I don't think he is. I don't think he want. I don't think he cares if his guys don't show up for dinner. And there's a lot of coaches out there like they're get home for dinner coaches. Robert Sala got 500 kids. My hero. Okay, he is a get home for dinner guy. His staff <laughs> they work their butt off for a couple days, but they get home by six. They don't overdo it. Do you think that's why they the lose? The process of diminished return. No, I think they lost because of their stupid, their stupid, stupid, stupid quarterback who I hate. They picked wrong. Oh, who, by the way, said uh, if they bring in a veteran, he'll make his life hell in practice. Oh, so, oh, so he's giving threats now. Yeah, that's what he rolled See, out. This is, this is my point with him. He's terrible. So the, the Jets fire their offensive coordinator. Oh, but he and, can run around. Oh, he's so oh, bad. Oh, my God. He can run around. I'm so bad. Again, everybody busts out there. They bust out the good, uh, the the good, like, uh, real good, like, organic peanut butter to put on the nipples then. The stuff you only oh, get at a, Trader Joe's. Oh, if a quarterback can run around. Oh, Look at the way this guy can run and I mean, throw. they might get a face smear of some peanut butter after that you because think, a guy can run around. Ooh. You think the problem with the Jets was Salah? Um, no, I don't. I think that, uh, well, in part he is because what's his real philosophy? Oh, what is, what is I'm Robert, lift you. what is Robert Sowers really Defense. stand Defense. for? Defense, rah, rah, that's who he's a rah, rah, defensive he's guy. He's a rah, rah, defensive guy. Yeah. And his defense is good enough for them to miss the playoffs all the time. And they can't figure anything out offensively. Now they scapegoat a junior LaFleur, the one that isn't in Green Bay, for what? What are they going to do? You know what they need to do? Hire Matt Patricia. That's a team (laughs) that if you look at the way they're set up and the way they want to play with a defensive-minded head coach, that to me is a team, and not that Bill isn't, but Bill is much more diverse as a football coach than Sala is. And I think the organizational philosophy is a little different. But if there's a team that should really be in it for uh, Lamar Jackson, the Jets are a team that should. 
shorter passing, athletic quarterback that might be able to bail you out because you're a poorly coached team. But defensively, you got some studs and get it done. Hey, let's rah-rah it up. We'll rally around the quarterback who is at least a little more emotional, well, a much more emotionally mature than what you have in Zach Wilson. And if you were, again, rubbing peanut butter all over yourself because the guy could move, what quarterback can move better than Lamar Jackson? I'm with you. That Now, I saw a bunch of things uh, last Sunday of some uh, beat reporters about the Jets talking about if, if Lamar Jackson becomes available to him, they will go after him. They will speci- This is like one of those, like, you know, Tom Brady to Tampa moves. Uh, you know, R- Russell Wilson to Denver, even though it didn't work out. And they desperately this, need to get that position right. Need, if they just get that, I mean, they will, they will, they will create offense surrounding him and his ability. And they are instantly, instantly contenders in the East. Right when he signs, instantly contenders in the East. Well, maybe. No, Actually, what do I mean? No, like instantly no, defense. Because here's no, because here's what will happen is, is that the Jets will do that. They'll go eight and nine, miss the playoffs. They'll fire Sala, bring in uh, Greg Jim, Roman. No, bring in Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> oh, Jim Harbaugh. And to your point on the yeah. whole Greg Roman thing, it's the whole we'll recreate some of the stuff that we did with Kaepernick in the mid 2010s and just do it with this guy. And they'll have a little bit of a different philosophy. Somebody in there who could really coach it all in terms of Harbaugh and all that stuff. But again, be that as it may. I'll tell you, now the search for the offensive coordinator. And Foyer said it earlier, and I co-signed it. I think he's a million percent right. If you want to make it easy, just go get Bill O'Brien. It really is that simple. Are You Done is next. WEI, WEI, New England Sports Original. Now, now, more Gresh and Fourier on WEI. And streaming on WEI.com. Are you done? Are you done? It is sponsored by our friends at Unified Office. If you run restaurants and don't want your customers being left on hold and lose business, well, Unified Office can help you run much more efficiently. Reach out to our friends at unifiedoffice.com. Not bad for no copy. Pretty close. Close enough. Let's put it that way. Figured it out. Did I give you the copy? Uh. Um. Oh, who messed up? Oh, blame them. No, I don't. I no, no, no. Uh, I had Irvin Raycroft and the unless uh, it's in the Fourier pile. Maybe no, I threw mine away. No, it's all good. It's no worries. I was just showing. I was really. It was more Billy pumping your own tires. Yeah, a little bit. Little and a flex for Fourier as well to be like, hey, here's how you handle it. Just get through it and then go from there. (laughs) Well, because because what would you have done? No, I'm kidding. Let's get (laughs) me. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Again, everybody's learning like Cliff Kingsbury. (laughs) Everybody put on the, uh, get under a learning tree of someone. Uh, Billy Lanny, are you done? No, real quick here. So I always enjoy a good new world record because it's amazing on what people are setting records in these days. So a guy from the Czech Republic, Rene Richter, he set the record for biting through 36 cans in one minute. So this guy was on stage, and there were just these cans lined up, like regular, like soda, beer what? cans type thing. Yeah, literally, gra- literally grabbing them and biting out the middles of them, thirty six of them in one minute. So, 
and that's it. You just got to bite and move along. Bite that and was move it. along. Yeah, he was grabbing it. Rapid fire. Yeah, he had one in each hand and was just rapid oh. firing. All right. So he's biting. Now these are full cans. These I'm full assuming. Cans. So there's yeah. stuff yep. spraying all over yeah, the place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looked like it was the you know they were all sealed, but I think they were just kind of like water or something. It wasn't beer. Like it would have been awesome if it was beer because it would have oh, been, been great. foam exploding everywhere. But this uh, guy just like jaws, just like chewing through these 36 cans, and like I watch them like one that's pretty wild, and two like amazing how people discover that they're really good at these things. Isn't it really amazing the things you can get a Guinness Book or World Record for now? Nuts. And it used to be that you had to fly someone in and like someone who was an official from Guinness had to be there. Now I think you can do some of these things on video or like uh, or like uh, our friends in the competitive eating world, like Jeffrey Esper and people like that. If they set a record at an event and it's on video, I think they can retroactively enough, right? go back and get it. Yeah, yeah I don't think so. somebody has to be spying on every little Yeah, group. right. Like, I remember a couple of months ago, there was another world record for the guy who sliced uh, 100 apples in five minutes on a pogo stick or something. I remember <laughs> something ridiculous like that. Yeah, and there's only some guy in a lab coat uh-huh. standing there staring yeah, right. to Big make sure it's coat, official. clipboard, glasses. Are you done? I'm done. Are you done? Are you done? Terp, you done? I'm not done. So do you guys remember Vine? Before there was TikTok, there was Vine. Yes, right. Right. And do you remember the Popeyes meme kit? Yes, I do. I yes. do not. I, I love Popeyes. Uh, Nick's putting it up on the Twitch, but he just signed an NIL deal with Popeyes. Yeah. He, yeah. he now plays football for Division II uh, Lake Erie College, and he just got an NIL deal with Popeyes. Uh, so Lake funny. Erie College. <laughs> He's up hey, there in the, the, education. the northern Pennsylvania. But uh, this kid, if you're for those watching on Twitch, uh, what is it? Uh, Dinnerst Colin? Dearnest Colin. Dearnest Colin. Okay. And, uh, I mean, the thing with the left hand in the pocket as a little kid is hilarious. And, yeah, he's one three thirties from East Orange, New Jersey. Yeah. Big old lineman. Big old hoss. Loves some Popeye. They reached out to him on Twitter, and he gladly took it. How about that? D2 kids are now getting it. That's, That's pretty awesome. good. Are you done? Are, are you done? Are you done? I am done. Foye, you done. I am not. Okay, so uh, either you're going to get really mad. I'm sure you're going to get mad or or really sad. Everybody listening to this, okay? Because this story is so sad, it makes my heart bleed. Okay, so there's a young girl. Sarah McLaughlin. No, 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 no. So there's a young fan. Her name uh, is Ellie Hughes. Ellie Ellie Hughes, okay, had been bringing this little basketball to the Memphis Grizzlies games, you know, since she was five years old with her grandfather. Her grandfather would take her to these basketball games, and she would, like, you know, try to get autographs, either from uh, Grizzlies players or whoever they were playing. She got this huge collection on this one. It's a WNBA ball, so it's orange and white. Okay. okay? So sure as hell, these a-holes, as she was trying to get autographs, snatched the ball away from her and bounced. What? Bounce. Here's here here she is right here. Here's the sound of it real quick. It's gonna make you cry. When my grandfather was walking up there to see what was going on, he they started like walking away, kind of running at like a fast pace. So sure enough, so they they, they grab and they run off. And here's Ellie just pleading for her ball back. I just want my ball back. I just want a, the signatures back. If somebody so accidentally grabs the ball <laughs> or, you know, wants to turn the ball in, if you know you have it, you know, we'd be happy, no questions asked. Um, just, it, it just means a lot to her. Now, well, listen, you want your. That's terrible, no, isn't it? it? That it, is terrible. It is terrible on principle, but let's be real <laughs> now. 
That girl sounded like Terrell Owens crying about the quarterback. That's but why she's I 11. Was it swiped she's, or misplaced? No, she they she was they just took it out of her hands. Her they, poor grandfather they couldn't it. do anything about it. But sure as hell, here comes the hero. John Morant was made aware of the story. Listen, they didn't get the ball back yet, but he hooked her up with floor seats, got her a jersey, gave her some shoes, autographed everything. My quarterback, I want my ball back. Yeah, but the, the, the little girl still does not have her basketball, so they're still trying to find the basketball, but at least John Morant gave her a little bit of a little bit of help, right, by hooking her up, made her feel better. I thought that was a not a happy ending yet because I'm sure she wants her ball, but still, nonetheless, there you are go. You done? Are, are you done? Are you done? Are you done? Yes. And we are done. You're done. Well, okay. because we've I took only all the time. got it. No, no, sorry. no. You're good. I mean, for hearing that little girl with the, I mean, I'm sorry. That's why I chuckled. It's, it's terrible. terrible what happened. I'm not laughing at her. I'm laughing at her <laughs> sounding like Terrell Owens. I can't even believe somebody did ball. that. I cannot believe two guys thought what? it was a poor little girl. Levin, she's so cute, too. You have too right? much faith in people. Wait, wait, out of all the things, there used to be guys in, in like when I went to high school with that they would on Halloween, they would find kids and they would they would take their Halloween candy from them. They would like drive, jump out of the car, snatch their candy and then jump back in the car. And the poor kid dressed up as Casper the ghost or something would sit there just be bawling because some high school kids ran off with their candy. And then they took the stuff they didn't eat and threw it at Tom Petty's house. <laughs> yes, exactly. I don't know who those kids are. They're jerks, though. This was terrible. Okay, I have a 10-year-old girl, and if this happened to her, I think I would literally go nuts. And I would understand that. But you also have enough connections to get the ball signed and get it back and all that stuff. Yeah, but the thing is, she got the the ball signed from all these other teams that are not coming to Memphis anytime soon. No, that is So she had a collection that is just ruined now. It'll be on eBay for $2,500. She'll be on on The Tonight Show at some point in time. All right, that is it for us tomorrow. Bruins and Celtics recaps. We'll talk about the NFL playoffs. A lot of other things that have hit the cutting room floor. We'll find out the latest with the Patriots offensive coordinator. Turp and Billy produced it, so if something went wrong, blame them. Mego and Arcand are next. Fourier and I'll see you tomorrow heading into a holiday weekend at 10 a.m. And by the way, our football coverage here on WEEI during the playoffs is brought to you by Wise Snacks. Go to wisegameday.com for your chance to win one of 100 authentic pro football jerseys. Are you done? Are, are you done? Are you done? Okay, okay. Are you done? You done, right? You done, right? Are you done? Are you done? Okay, okay.